Uh, I know that as we get closer to the actual day of Christmas, that uh, lots of anxiety and things start building up a little bit. Anybody looking for that last-minute gift that they still have to buy? Yeah? A little bit? Sure. Well, Patty and I were, uh, were looking at our street the other day, and we're the only people on our street with lights, Christmas lights. And we're kind of wondering, like, what gives? What's going on here? And, and it's almost as if I've talked to people, and, and they've said, Christmas has caught me off guard this year. I mean, one person said it was because Thanksgiving was so late, and uh, it just kind of threw me off. So, you know, I don't know what it is, but uh, some of us are, are anticipating Christmas. Others of us are maybe even dreading a little bit because of just, you know, that, those family members that we see once a year, they come into town, and we all have to get along and things like that. So uh, who's, who's on the nice list this year? Anybody? Anybody on the naughty list? Don't raise your hands. Don't. Okay. Well, it is, uh, it is a, a, a wonderful day. So uh, the Christmas season uh, really begins with what I would call a rite of passage. There are things that uh, many of us do. There are um, um, traditions that we hold in our homes and in our lives. Uh, for some, it's like if you've got kids that Christmas season doesn't begin until you get to the mall and you go through those screaming lines and they get to sit on Santa's lap. Uh, in the Martin House, Christmas season begins right after Thanksgiving dinner when we sit down and we watch as a family the greatest Christmas movie ever made, Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I tell you, it tops them all. And we do, we do, that, we do that every year. Well, uh, at St. Paul this year, we've been um, celebrating a lot of the great Christmas songs. We, we looked at O Holy Night, O, o Come All Ye Faithful. We looked at Away in a Manger. Um, this week's uh, song that we're going to look at really was uh, written in the early 1800s, and it was actually a spiritual song. It wasn't put to notes of music, but it was, it was uh, a song that was sung uh, just vocally, a cappello, and it was passed down um, uh, verbally uh, to, to generation upon generation. It was written by an, an American slave. We don't know who it was actually written by, but what we do know is, is that this song that was written and sung by the slaves here in America, gave them hope that despite their horrible circumstances about being held as a slave, that God still had a hope of providence for them, that they would be free, and that that message of freedom was so important that they wanted to not only be told to themselves, but they wanted others to be told about that as well. In 1907, John Wesley Work Jr., he and his brother Frederick actually discovered from oral, oral tradition this uh, old spiritual song, and they put it to music. And today we know the song as Go Tell It on the Mountain. So let's hear our Christmas song today.
Amen. Thank you all. At this time of year in the Christmas season, we hear a lot of Christians bemoaning that there's not enough, it's Christmas time. In fact, some will say that, that um, our culture has infiltrated and they've taken Christ out of Christmas. You'll hear people who will say that. You know, we, we think about um, going into our favorite restaurants and um, instead of hearing Merry Christmas, our, our servers are told so that they won't offend anybody to just say Happy Holidays. And we begin to see things in social media about instead of heralding the fact that Jesus is born and Christ is coming again, we see those all too often pictures of people that are um, just uh, tearing each other apart, so to speak, so they can get that last television on sale from the big box store. It's uh, like instead of celebrating Christmas, we, we find ourselves celebrating the holiday season. Um, I don't know about you, but when I, when I was growing up, and uh, I was born in Orlando, and, and I remember as a kid, my parents, every Christmas season, they'd get us, we'd get in the car, and we'd drive into downtown Orlando. And I remember at the old city hall there off of Orange Avenue, uh, there was always a nativity scene out front. There was Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby Jesus, there were angels, there were shepherds, there were all the places, all the people, the important people there at that particular place. I remember back then where um, after Thanksgiving, at least a dozen or, or two dozen radio stations would do nothing but play Christmas music. And today, if you can find a, a radio station uh, where maybe one or two are playing that, you, you might be lucky to hear that. Employees, like I said, in stores, if you go shopping and you're buying gifts, they'll say happy holidays or, or I hope that you have a nice holiday season. And I begin to take that in and, and, and I begin to think about how, how so many of our Christian brothers and sisters really lament over that. They lament over the fact that people are not recognizing that it's the time of year. Now, I've, I've got a thought about that, and you know me well enough that I, I have a thought, and, and I want to just share some things with you because I think it's important um, as we think about what this means. Um, my theory on that is it's, it's really not City Hall's responsibility to tell the Christmas story. It's not our public school's responsibility to tell the Christmas story. In fact, I'm going to cut my waiter some slack when I go to brunch later today when, when he or she doesn't say Merry Christmas but says Happy Holidays. I don't think it's their responsibility at all. So if it's not, if it's not City Hall's responsibility, if it's not the public school's responsibility, if it's not the waiter or waitress's responsibility to tell the Christmas story, whose responsibility is that? It's ours. It's our responsibility. The story of Christmas is ours. As a believing body, we are the ones who are the proclaimers of the message. We are the proclaimers of the good news. It's, it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's our responsibility. It's nobody else's but ours. The story of Christmas belongs to us. And I don't mind if other people want to borrow the story. I don't mind if, if people want to tell that story in our schools. I don't mind if they want to tell that during government meetings. I don't mind that at all. But I think you and I have to come to an understanding it's not their responsibility, it's ours. And that you and I are the ones to go proclaim that. When I go stand in line at Walmart or stand in line in Target, it's not the cashier's responsibility to remind me that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. It's not her or his responsibility at all. That responsibility relies on me. And I've come to understand, and I hope you do too, that if you and I could do a better job in telling the story of Jesus, 
If we could be the ones to actually go tell it on the mountain and tell it in our schools and tell it in our communities and tell it in our stores, wherever it is, if the story that is ours to tell, if we just told that, can you imagine how our world just might be different? How, how we could help people to understand about the grace of God, how, how through the birth of Christ that, that God so loved the world that he came in flesh, how that would change and transform any and every experience that we have. Well, let's look at what happened on that uh, first night, that, what we call that silent night, the night that Jesus was born. There were shepherds that were out in the fields. They encountered an angel of the Lord, and they're, they're watching, and they're looking over their flocks, and all of a sudden, the angel comes and pronounces to them, the very first people, the angel pronounces to the shepherds this great miracle. Let me take us back to Luke's gospel. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And I love when the angel says it's for all the people because we know that God's message of salvation is inclusive for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now listen to this. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. So can you imagine in this very dark night, if you've ever been out in the middle of, the, of, of a pasture or if you've ever been out in the middle of a field, at night it is pitch black. Can you imagine that the angel coming and seeing the glory of an angel and then the heavenly hosts opening and, and seeing the glory of that? The heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom and women on whom God's favor rests. Now think about that. God's favor rests on you. God's favor rests on me. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, let's get, check this out. The, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You know, there's so much that's happening here. I mean, you know, here these, these shepherds are, are out in the middle of this field, and the angel of the Lord comes, and, and we find out that the first people that God invites to the Christmas party are the poor, are the lowly, are the ones that have been disenfranchised, the lowest rung in the society of the first century. They are the first ones that God has the good news proclaim. Now see, shepherds, shepherds weren't landowners. They, what they owned was maybe 15 or 20 sheep. They probably didn't have more than 20 because it was just too hard to manage. Shepherds lived in tents, which meant that, that they would take their sheep. Their sheep eat what? Grass. So they would take their sheep to various places within their region, and the sheep would eat grass. And when the grass was gone, what would the shepherds have to do? They'd have to pack everything up. They'd have to move their sheep. They'd have to go and travel somewhere else to find where there would be grass for them. So you can imagine, they, they weren't landowners. Uh, their children, if they had children, probably didn't get much of an education because there was not a steady place to offer that education. And think about you know, sanitary reasons, um, the life of a shepherd. Water was, was a resource that they didn't have a whole lot of. And if they had water, who was gonna get the water when it came to a shepherd's job? It was the sheep. So they probably didn't smell very good. They probably didn't clean up. They probably were just not seen as good people at all. In fact, in the first century, shepherds were, were forbidden to testify in court. You could not call a shepherd as a witness to testify because they thought that shepherds were shifty. They were nomads. There was no way that they could, that they could be uh, trusted. 
And that's what makes this story so shocking. That's what makes this story so unreal that it is real and unbelievable that it is believable, that God would come and that the very first guest invited to the Christmas party was the night shift of shepherds as they came to see the glory of God. Now think about, um, think about how earth-shattering this would have been. The high society people, now they're probably sitting here thinking, like, wait a minute, if, if God is going to come into the world, and if God is going to make this announcement about Jesus coming and being here in the world, guess, guess what the high society would think? Well, well, that announcement's going to come in the great throne room of Herod the king, Right? Because that's, that's where it would come. And, and that the shepherds would say, hey, Herod, hey, down the road has been born a baby. You need to go see this. But God knew the mind of Herod. God knew that Herod was an evil man. God knew that Herod could not be um, given the sanctity and the sacredness of that message. So God chose not to deliver it to Herod. We might think, well, wait a minute then. Why, why wouldn't uh, high society would say, well, well, maybe then that the announcement would have been done in the temple because that's where the priests were. I mean, they were the ones close to God or, or the Pharisees, they were the holiest. And we sit there and we think about, well, well, why didn't it happen there? Because God chose a different path. God says that I'm gonna give the message first and foremost to the people that are Overlooked the people that are forgotten. I don't know about you, but, but for me, what that says is, man, that's good news for me. That's good news for you because, you know, at the end of the day, folks, we're really nobodies. We might think we're somebody. We might think we're all this and all that and, hey, look at me, but we're nobodies. And the fact that Jesus' story of his birth was told first to nobodies means you and I could have been present at that first Christmas morning. So what do the shepherds do when they hear the news? They get this message that Jesus is born. They immediately drop everything. They leave their sheep. Folks, that's their only possession. That's their lifeblood. They leave it all behind. And the scripture says that they run off to Bethlehem to see what this angel told them as the truth. Now, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were so excited about your faith when was the last time that you were so excited about telling the story of God that you would be willing to leave everything that you own and love and adore and you think is worth the world to you? Would, when was the last time you were willing to leave that behind so that you could go and proclaim Jesus as Lord? I mean, this is, this is deep stuff. And so often we just kind of glean over this that, that it was well, just the poor shepherds. But think about the intensity and the significance of that. You know, I, I think about... What would it have been like if I'd have been there that first Christmas? And, you know, the, the, that song, I Can Only Imagine, comes to mind. Surrounded by your glory, um, you know, what will my life be? Uh, will I stand before you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? I mean, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to, to speak at all? I can only imagine. I mean, the awe of what it would have been like. What I love about the shepherds, though, is that, that they didn't just do nothing. They took what they saw and they ran with it, literally. They took this sacred message, this profound truth. They took this joyful news that Jesus is here, God is here, Emmanuel, God with us. 
and they did something with it. They, they ran, and the scriptures say that they did something here. Listen to this. When they heard, when they had seen him, when they had seen the baby Jesus, they, the shepherds, spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were what? Were amazed. They were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. What the shepherds had said. They didn't hold it in. They didn't go like, oh, well, I'm going to be embarrassed if I tell somebody about Jesus and, 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 and they're going to like laugh at me or they're going to reject me. No. They were so overjoyed and excited about this news, it didn't matter. They went and they shared. So why does God, why does God say to you and me, go tell it on the mountain. Go and tell the world about me. Go and share the grace that I have given you, that I have made available to everyone else. Why do they do that? Why does God do that? Because God wants us to share the Christmas story with the people who are forgotten. God wants the people who are often overlooked. Something I, I notice about the shepherd is, is that um, they probably would not have been known by the regular town person. So, so when all these shepherds from the fields who had just witnessed this great news come scurrying into Bethlehem, they're strangers. Nobody knows who they are. They're strangers. They're nomads. They wander. And I got to thinking about, you know, Christmas is just a couple of days away. On Christmas Eve, so on Tuesday at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock, we're going to have a couple hundred strangers in this, in this building. We're going to have people that we don't know who are going to be live streaming our services. We're going to have people that we don't know who weeks from now are going to go back into our sermon inventory and are going to listen to a Christmas Eve message. And what does that say to us? What it says to us is that we need to be prepared. You and I need to be prepared. We need to be welcoming. We need to be the church that shows radical hospitality. We need to be able to know that, that it's important for those who normally aren't here that they are welcomed here. Now, look, I, I get it. I, I've been on the other side on Christmas Eve. That's when family comes together. I've been one of those that has set down 50 bulletins on seat. No, you can't sit there. These are saved, right? Am I speaking church language yet? I've even been in churches where, where people have said, you can't sit there, that's my seat. What? Okay. So, so we have to just throw all that out. And what I want us to do is, I want us to recognize the person that we don't know. I want us to get out of that five-foot bubble that we so often stay in. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I mean, we just kind of spin around like this, you know? Well, I get busy doing that. But, but you know, we, we need to get out of that. And when you see somebody come into the building on Christmas Eve and they look like they don't know where they are or what they're doing, guess what? They don't. When you see somebody sitting or standing in a corner all by themselves, get out of your seat and go welcome them. Go invite them. Better yet, invite them to come sit with you. Invite them to come be a part of your family for that night and allow them the privilege to understand and to come into the grace of Jesus Christ. You see, it takes a lot of courage for somebody who isn't churched to walk into a church on its busiest night. It takes a lot of courage. So if they have courage to come in, 
you and I need to have the heart and the courage to welcome them and to help them to know about the love of Jesus. So let me ask you this question as we're kind of closing down here. What, what's the message you need to know this season? What's the one thing that you need to hear from God during this Christmas season that will change your life? What is it that you need to hear that you can hold on to? You know, the prophet uh, Isaiah said this hundreds of years before Jesus was born, when, when he was proclaiming that the day would come one day when God would come into the flesh. Listen to what Isaiah writes. He says, therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, he's speaking on behalf of God. They will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. These are people who are proclaiming. They are telling it on the mountain. They are not sitting quietly. They are like the shepherds who have caught the disease of sharing the cold, so to speak, the flu bug, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, he says, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they should shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes and burst into songs of joy together. You ruins of Jerusalem, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. There's nothing at all in the scriptures that say we're to be quiet about our faith. There's nothing at all in the scriptures that says that we're supposed to get angry at people who don't say Merry Christmas. There is everything in the scriptures that say when we become a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ, that message is ours to proclaim. And we are to proclaim it in love and we are to proclaim it often. And we are to never be shy until all people understand and come to know the love that exists in Jesus Christ. The shepherds did what they were told. And it said that when they told others, all who heard their message were utterly amazed. Utterly amazed. Some 30-odd years later, Jesus has died on the cross. He has come to a point in, in his eternal life now where, where he's ready to go and ascend into heaven. And all the believers are gathered in one place. And, and before he ascends into heaven, Jesus says these words, Matthew records them for us. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, he looks at you and me. He looks at all believers. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always until the very end of the age, until the end of the times, until time ceases, Christ is with us always. God wants everyone to know about Jesus. It's not just your story to hold. We're to tell it. And we are to tell it with joy. And we are to do it so that we understand that it's not the municipal government's responsibility. It's not the public school's responsibility. It's not Target or Walmart's responsibility. It's not your waiter or waitress's responsibility, it's yours, it's mine. And when we tell it, 
people will hear it. Amen?